welcome to episode five, I think, of WTF is UX. Uh, I'm Matt Bloom-Carlin. I'm Danny Radzinski. And we are two master's students uh, at the Indiana University School of Informatics and Computing studying human-computer interaction design. And today we are joined by uh, Marty Siegel, who is a professor of informatics and the founding director of the human-computer interaction design program and the director of graduate studies at the School of Informatics. Thanks for coming, Marty. Glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> We've been looking forward to it for a long time. Right? Yeah, yeah. It should have happened uh, a long time ago. Yeah, that's I think. true. But, uh, we, we had to get all the kinks ironed out before we could. Yeah, well, it. I'm I'm very happy to be here. I've really <laughs> admired uh, this project that you guys started, and it's been uh, fun to listen to it. And and now I get to be in the chair. You know, <laughs> so we'll see where this goes. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a, we were just talking about how. It's really the, I mean, I've been working on this for longer than any other project I think I've ever done. We're yeah. Going on a year and a half Yeah, now, we've been I doing think. this, yeah, mm-hmm. like a year, which is kind of crazy to think about. And um, yeah, it means a lot that you've sort of always mentioned it and uh, sort of supported us. Um, Absolutely. Um, but so I think something we were both interested in uh, is sort of how the program at Indiana University got started, because not a lot of schools have it. And just sort of how did that come about? Well, I I describe myself as the founding uh, director of the program, but technically, and this is, I'm revealing this secret, (laughs) um, I really wasn't. Uh, What happened, it's an interesting story, Um, Andrew Dillon, who was um, a professor in the School of Library and Information Science at the time, was working with Mike Dunn, who was the first dean of informatics of the school. Uh, this was, what, in around 2001. Okay. And, um, well, he was working before that. And I remember they'd asked me if I wanted to um, work on the School of Informatics and uh, its design and all that. And I was actually working on my own startup and and thought, well, I'll join you guys when, you know, the kinks have been worked out. (laughs) But um, Andy Dillon was actually going to be the first director of the HCI program. It started out that way. But just as he began that, he was recruited by the University of Texas in Austin to be the dean of their information school. And it was just such an extraordinary opportunity for him uh, that he took it. And and Mike Dunn, who was the dean, came to me and said, okay, Marty, uh, it would really be good if you would be willing to do this now. So I, I came in like um, a month or two uh, after it started. And what's interesting is that... Uh, I had a different idea from from uh, Andrew's idea of how how this program should operate. I saw it as a design program from the very beginning, yeah, okay. and he was more interested. He he uh, Andrew is more of a, a cognitive uh, scientist um, and and uh, interested in. Uh, usability testing, user engineering, mm-hmm. and I think that's what the program was was starting out to be. Okay. And and I told Mike, I said, you know, that's that's interesting, but kind <laughs> of a sidebar issue as far as I'm concerned. And I felt that design was 
was the future of, of um, UX. And, and so uh, I kind of made this deal with him. I said, <laughs> if you let me turn this into a design program, um, I'll, I'll do it. And he said, okay, Marty, just don't turn it into an art school, <laughs> which, which just goes to show you, you know, uh, how, how people outside of this field sort of view the word design. Yeah. Right? He saw it as uh, an art school. So that's how it began. That's interesting because it, it is sort of an outlier as far as the School of Informatics and Computing. I mean, it's a very unique program. Like yeah, and, and I think the fact that we started with design really gave us a head start yeah. of what has become, you know, a very big movement in yeah. the field. Yeah, that's, what, that's amazing, actually, because, I mean, if you go back to, like, 2000, 2001, I mean, I don't think a lot about like user experience back then I, I do think more about like usability testing and those kind of things right um but yeah that's awesome yeah that it sort of um you know ended up being a design program yeah even these days it seems like a lot of companies are still trying to kind of catch up with the yeah, UX design yeah, train still trying so to get 2001 was yeah. ahead of the curve it, sure. it really was ahead of the curve curve and and i think the graduates in those early days um were perhaps challenged to explain, you know, their perspective and and, but they they got jobs and of course what really um, made the whole field was Apple Computer. Yeah. Uh, you know when they came out with uh, various products, the the um, iPod and the, the phone, mm -hmm. and 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 just and the iPad and all, all those things have just really. Um, put an emphasis on design. And I think other companies began to realize, okay, if we're going to uh, succeed in this marketplace, whatever market they were in, then they need to consider design. And, you know, where are they going to get designers? Well, you're going to get the best designers from Indiana University. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a little bit of a plug there. <laughs> right. And then, so how... How has it developed over the years? I mean, you've been teaching in it since the beginning. And yeah. Sort of what have you seen change and what have you changed? It was very convenient that the first year was 2001 because it makes it very easy for me to say how old the program mm -hmm. is. You know, this is the, the 15th uh, cohort yeah. in the program. Well, the first thing was to um, build a faculty. And, and so... Um, Ellie Blevis uh, was my first hire. He was um, he had some connections to Donald Norman, who, of course, everybody in this field yep. knows, and and uh, he was working at uh, IIT in Chicago at the Institute of Design, and and I had heard about him. Um, I don't remember exactly how I heard about him, but I did, and and I remember having a wonderful conversation or two with him on the telephone and and I felt like he and I were really uh, in sync with where this program ought to go and I felt he was the right person to bring in and I should say that really Ellie and I um, um, really sort of carved out the program together and and decided you know what its features might be and the different kinds of courses that would go into it, uh, and of course that's evolved as new faculty have have joined. So um, I see. Um, I remember um, 
bringing um, Jeff Bartzell. Well, see, besides being the director of the program, I became the executive associate dean of the school and eventually the department chair. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I was in a position to hire people. And and um, one of the first people that we went after was uh, Jeff Bartzell. Yvonne Rogers, by the way, was was uh, in the program. She had a part-time appointment with okay. with the School Library and Information Science and us, so she was there okay. too. And and then we brought in uh, Jeff. I remember having a, a lunch with him at Yogi's. Um, <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> I, I I didn't really I didn't really know Jeff all that well, but again, we sat down and we had a conversation and we really hit it off. And I felt, yeah, he was exactly the right person too to uh, join the program. And then there was this guy, um, Eric Stolterman. <laughs> and and uh, it was really interesting how we got him. Um, of course, everybody knows Eric. Uh, he, he and his colleague wrote the, co-authored The Design Way, and he's you know, one of the most famous people in our field. And we were having um, a conference here at IU in the School of Informatics on future directions of research. And somebody suggested that we um, invite Eric as one of the speakers. And so we did. We invited Eric from Sweden, and he came here, and he gave a talk. And it was during that talk, I think I, t- I turned to Ellie, I said, we need to hire this guy. He's <laughs> just incredible. And and one of the things that I loved about his talk is that he had the worst possible slides. <laughs> you know, they were really like sketchy and almost handwritten. And 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 someone said to me, "Well, why would you want to hire this guy? He doesn't even know how to make a slide deck." And I said, "No, you don't get it. He's he's putting up a sketch. This is like a hypothesis. Yeah. These are his preliminary thoughts. He wants to engage us in a conversation. He knows exactly what he's doing." Oh yeah. And. Uh, he stayed for a few extra days, and I, I spent so much time with him driving around Indiana talking about <laughs> the place, saying, you know, you really ought to think about coming here. And so he joined. Um, he eventually said yes, and he, he came here. And uh, then we, um, let's see, hired uh, Shawen Bardzell, and um, she was just um, an extraordinary hire as well. You know, a lot of it's it's funny, you know, sometimes hiring like a husband and wife Mm -hmm. team, you know, people think that, okay, well, you're going to hire the wife now, now that you've hired the husband or vice versa uh, because of the spousal arrangement. But it was very clear to me, the more I got to know Shawen, that she in her own right was just an emerging powerhouse and she had an agenda Mm -hmm. of, you know, how to um, build her career. And so, you know, that we, we were kind of, you know, the initial core of the faculty for um, quite a while. And it, it was just, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And I mean, everyone is still here, too. Yeah. Part, so. yeah. yeah. I think we're both looking forward to meeting uh, Jeff and Xiaowen. Yeah, uh, definitely. Because they're going to come back from sabbatical next year. Yeah, they've been gone for, I guess they'll be gone for a year and a half. Yeah, and, yeah. And they're um, extraordinary uh, researchers and... You know, it's interesting when they when they came, they were just beginning assistant professors, and and one of the things that I had to do as an administrator is sort of clear the deck for them and allow them to do their thing and 
make sure they had the proper resources and environment where they could grow. And not to say that I am... Uh, uh, I should receive any real credit for <laughs> for their success, but you know it, it does show that when um, an administration is set up in such a way that you know the the person doesn't have to worry about sort of the day to day going ons and and some of the politics that go on in the school, but can really focus on their work. Um, you know, people who are dedicated like uh, Jeff and Shawen. Um, it shows what they can do, and you know now they have this international uh, reputation. It's and and Ellie too. I mean Ellie, uh, Jeff, and Shawen um, and Eric. In fact, um, they're all quite famous. And you know, I sort of wonder what I'm doing here now. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Now that you get to see everyone sort of well, at least the Bartel sort of grow. Yeah, and and Ellie too because yeah. he came in as an oh, yeah, assistant that's professor. Right. That's what you're yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And all the students throughout the year. Yeah, and all the students throughout <laughs> the years. It's been wonderful. Yeah, it's always great talking to. I mean, we have very generous alumni, like very generous with their time and uh, effort. Come back. It and is talk really to cool, and I think and, that's tribute to sort of how the program is designed in itself. Because I think we all come away, you know, really bonded together. You know, after mm. the first year IDP. Um, and then I feel like now, like in the second year, I could sit down with anybody in the cohort and we can have a conversation. Oh, yeah, it's just definitely. like, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, there's a lot of, I guess there would be a lot of debate how to build a program uh, like, like ours. But it was clear to me from the beginning that key to our success was the bonding of each mm -hmm. cohort and then the bonding of each cohort to every other cohort. Yeah. And the reason um, I saw it that way is, you know, how do you build um, an international reputation as a program? Well, you build it through the strength of your students yeah. and the success of those students. And so they have to really care about each other. And so creating a collaborative, non-competitive environment mm -hmm. where everybody is supporting everybody else as much as possible is, is kind of key, and that's why it's interesting to see uh, students that you've never met before, but you might talk to online, and they know kind of what you're going through, yes. and they're there to help you, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it, and it doesn't matter. They could be from five or ten years ago. Yeah, they will help you, and, and, and you will do the same thing. This <laughs> sort of pay-it-forward mindset is, is really prevalent. And I think it has been really key to our success. Oh, yeah. And I, I like that you mentioned the collaborative nature of the program because that was one thing that just really, I mean, sold me 100%. Yeah. Like, it's so much different than law school or business school. Like, there's no rankings. Everyone's encouraged to work together, share ideas and stuff. And that. Well, in our program, everybody fails anyway. So it, you know, it just doesn't matter. You know? <laughs> the rankings would all be abysmal. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the, the uh, grades on uh, projects are, uh, you know, that was another thing uh, we had to decide early on. How are we going to evaluate people? And I think we all agreed that to do it in a more or less authentic way was really important to give people honest feedback. Yeah. And that means um, at the very beginning, you know, that, that feedback is going to look pretty tough <laughs> and if you have grades or comments, you know, they're, they're not going to be uh, stunning. 
and and we felt that will help students get strong. You know, over time they will get better, and they'll see that they genuinely get better, and they could rely on that feedback um, over time. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably one of the greatest like, soft skills I've taken away from this program is just the ability to take critique and not get so frustrated and defensive, but sort of, you know, int- learn to sort of kind of love it correctly. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, I, yeah. Mean, I was not good at that when I first got here, I can tell you. So. Right. I mean, you, well, you remember uh, how students were quite angry, you know, <laughs> at the beginning. I mean, they're, they get very angry because they lived their whole academic lives um, where, you know, they are the grade, they are equal to the grade. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just, uh, you know, that creates a kind of mindset that in the long run, I think is very destructive for a designer. Yeah. Where, where you're trying to like satisfy requirements to get the A instead of solve the problem. Is that I, exactly that, that somehow, you know, it's all about this status and, and, and actually, you know, ego kills a designer and kills design. Um, you know, you have to argue for the best design and what works best with with end users, not what you like or what you believe in, um, and and go you know fight it to the to the bitter end because you think it's it's the best possible uh, design just because you thought of it. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, one of but, my uh, one yeah. of my favorite lessons from IDP has always been to kill your babies. Uh. Oh yeah, it's sort of an unfortunate term. Context sounds a little terrible. <laughs> yeah, but, you it, know, it's just like being able to let go of that. Idea. It it is. It's it's a kind of it's a form of surrender yeah. and and to be able to say that it, it's not about your own you know creation. Uh, just because you did it doesn't make it precious. Yeah. You know when when we were in third grade and fourth grade, um, you know our moms and dads would would put our little papers up on the refrigerator wall. <laughs> and, and that's fine. But when you become a professional, uh, you can't have that criteria. It has to be a different criteria for success. Yeah. Um, so we sort of talked about sort of where the program came from. Um, and I know one of the things you talk about a lot is slow change. And that's maybe where... Uh, the field is going in the future, uh, or one of the directions is going in the future. Um, so maybe you could sort of talk a little bit about uh, slow change and what you think about slow change, and, and sort of give your definition of of what that means. Well, I, I wouldn't make the claim uh, since we were talking about ego. You know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to make the claim that uh, what I'm interested in research-wise is where the field is going. <laughs> but I think I think it is um, one of the directions. Yeah. I, I mean, this is one of the nice things about our field. There are many, many avenues uh, in, in which it is going. It's right. becoming more and more diverse um, in time. But uh, persuasive design, which is, I guess, where slow change interaction design kind of fits in the larger sense, um, struck me as a really important topic that people weren't really talking about too much. And, you know, when we think about design, we tend to think about designs that are short-term. We create a website, mm-hmm. and we have people come to that site, and they, you know, visit it for a while, and they leave. They get what they want out of it. They may return to it. But there's nothing about uh, 
changing behaviors over a long period of time. And it seems like there's a, a set of behaviors that humans engage in that are very difficult to initiate and even more difficult to sustain. So when you talk about things like exercise or um, weight control, uh, two things that are uh, interesting topics for me personally uh, that I've struggled with in my life, but a lot of people struggle with these kinds of issues. Or it could be um, maintaining your health, or it could be various kinds of addictions and 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 so on and so forth. And even beyond the individual level, when you start talking about communities, how to make a community more civil and welcoming mm -hmm. uh, could be a slow change problem. And, and it's an interesting thing to think about. How do we design not only websites, but tools and, and applications that will help people or groups of people make change over time and sort of stick with them, not just over weeks, but months and years, yeah. and maybe in their entire lifetime. And that's quite a challenge because, uh, <laughs> you know, technology, as we know, is always changing rapidly. So how do you design something that could last a lifetime? It raises lots of interesting uh, problems. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can see it. I mean, sort of emerging recently with you know Fitbits and Apple Watch, and like there are all these sort of, sort of constantly present technologies that are sort of nudging you to stick with something. But then again, you see a lot of people wear their Fitbit a month, throw it in the drawer, and yeah, again. yeah, so. right, right. And it's just uh, we seem to be obsessed these days with uh, you know data and data about ourselves in particular. So. Um, but it, it's a kind of um, um, quantification of, of our beings. But there's uh, the qualitative side of it, too, that we shouldn't neglect. Yeah. Because, um, as you've probably heard me say, 10,000 steps does not equal 10,000 steps in all conditions. So yeah. if you're just you know, walking around campus, you can get 10,000 steps. But if you go for a run in the forest uh, on a beautiful, crisp autumn day, and you're getting 10,000 steps, that's a very different experience. And we don't have a good way of, you know, understanding those differences and how to describe them and uh, give feedback accordingly. And I think, I think too, it's, um, you mentioned sort of collecting data on ourselves and then it sort of comes to like, how are we, uh, turning whatever data we collect about quantitative or qualitative into actual action, mm -hmm. right? Cause we need to sort of figure out, cause I, I think for, for a lot of people too, like, it's like nice to have that data. It's like cool that I have this data on my wrist, but maybe it's not so actionable or, or maybe, you know, it's not inspiring me to action in ways that it could. Well, one of the things about slow change that we believe in is that it's not, um, from a d designer's perspective, a typical, typical design, uh, the designer creates this design and hands it over to the users and the designer disappears. Uh, you know, who's yeah. the designer of this? I don't know. They're gone. But, but I think with slow change design, it's a collaboration yeah. between designer and user 
And so there needs to be an ongoing kind of dialogue and collaboration. And again, how do you create that technically and, and pull it off? And what happens if like your designer dies or uh, loses interest? Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, you know, seeing a doctor or a therapist and you might have to change. And how do you pass that on to the next person to continue the change. I love I love that metaphor, like seeing a doctor or therapist. I'm just imagining in the future like a little, you know, like shop. And then you go in and you see a designer about some problem you have in your life. And, you know, you sort of consult with them. And they sort of like start working on solutions with you. Yeah, the, the designer therapist. You yeah, know? yeah. I think it's a fascinating you're, you're, you're idea. slow change therapist who just happens to be a designer. <laughs> I, I think that's among really other cool. things. Yeah, it's an especially interesting analogy too when you think about Slow change specifically covers a lot of the topics you mentioned are very serious, like heavy stuff, addiction and you know personal health and fitness and like. Right. So I mean, yeah, you, you can't just like here's an app, deal with it. Like you always yeah. do need that sort of back and, and forth, so, yeah. and then a whole system. Really. Yeah, you start working at like a systems level. Probably. And, and I think too, you know, the those topics that we mentioned, those in a sense, are sort of the low-hanging fruit of things that we think about. Yeah. That when I say low-hanging fruit in this case, they're by no means easy to solve. They're incredibly <laughs> difficult to solve. But there are other kinds of things that we wouldn't normally think of. So, for example, you know, love relationships, a relationship between you know, two people who get married, uh, you know, that is certainly an evolving thing. That happens over you know many many years, and and how do we use technology to support you know that change in that relationship in that household, uh, the development of families, finance, uh, even um, you know the economy as a whole or healthcare systems. Yeah. I mean, it just goes on and on and on uh, with opportunity <laughs> for things that I would classify as slow change. So I think there's, it's, it's a great area of research and, and, um, an opportunity for, you know, very good design work. Yeah. And I mean, when you say low hanging fruit, like you said, I, those are certainly not tough or easy, so easy problems. No, they're all solve. wicked yeah, problems. They're definitely swampy problems. Yeah, yeah. swampy, <laughs> wicked problems. Exactly. It's uh, yeah, it's it's great because uh, you know, I'm. I think I think as designers, I think we all want to solve like these really big problems. So yeah. I, I think it's great moving into the future when we when we actually start to tackle you know really big things. Uh, you know, it's it's you know no longer just sort of you know, user interfaces for mm -hmm. some application that does taxes, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, those are important things. But just when you start working in that kind of scale and sort of oh, those yeah. size problems, yeah. I think that's really you know, inspiring. You, a typical designer thinks of their design as being successful. I mean, when you create a design, you think, okay, people will use this and it will be successful. But with slow change, because it takes place over time, um, there are going to be slips. There are going to be falls. Yeah, yeah. People will backslide, and sometimes backslide for weeks or months. Mm -hmm. How is the design going to accommodate that and, and and deal with it? Yeah, and it's it's interesting too. I mean, not like you can backslide, but in slow change, if you're doing your job right, your user will be changing as well. So how do you keep up with your evolving user in that sense? Yeah. Right, so, the user that started out yeah. uh, at the beginning is no longer uh, the user. Uh, that is even one week beyond the start of the yeah. program. Yeah. Uh, we all change. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, it's yeah. it's just it's really a fascinating. Area. Yeah, it's I think it's it's fascinating and it's beautiful because it's it's so sort of compassionate. I think for people, mm. um, which is something I think I think I really like about it. And yeah, it's an opportunity to really do good. Yeah. In, in the world, I mean, it's 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 nice to build you know like the next uh, watch that we'll wear on our wrists, but uh, it's. It's something quite special to do something that will make a significant difference in a human being's life. And, of course, it might be that the watch is part of that change. So I don't yeah. want to dismiss the watch entirely. <laughs> yeah. So the work that Apple does and and being able to get so much information in such a small space, mm. you know, all that work is needed. We're always – this is the cool thing about design. <laughs> is that we're always standing on the shoulders of people who come before us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we don't we don't ever invent things. You know, with with no precedent, uh, things coming before it. Yeah, I mean that's one of my favorite things about design too. Is just think about all the different spaces you just mentioned, and I mean it's constantly evolving. You have to be keeping up with the trends all the time and learning new things all the time, and you get to meet all sorts of people, all different walks of life, and yeah, you know, hopefully. Yeah, affects someone's life sometimes in a very intimate way too. I mean, mm-hmm. so. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, yeah, it's, we're at 30 minutes. So I mean, yeah. We can keep going if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. I think Eric, Eric mentioned in class the other day, like, ideally, you would have to know, you could, if you knew everything about everything, you could be, you know, a perfect, you know, you could make perfect things. Um, but, but ultimately, you know, we can try to know as much as we can about, you know, whatever we're trying to design for. But then it sort of all comes back down to, well, you have to make decisions uh, without knowing everything about yeah, everything, yeah. even if it's not. Right. And, and going back to sort of the design of the program itself, one of the most frustrating things that students have at the beginning is that they have difficulty solving the difficult design problems or challenges that we put before them. Mm-hmm. And I'm always saying to them, in order to be able to solve this, you probably need to be a graduate of the program in five years <laughs> out before you'd have a decent chance at solving one yeah. of these problems. Uh, and it's, it, it takes a while to sort of get that. And it's one of the ironies that in order to get better at something, you have to practice it. You don't just sit there and wait for the beam of light to come into your head, but in fact... You have to do a lot of hard work and and keep doing things and failing and making mistakes and getting that critical feedback and developing within yourself um, a sense of criticism. So it's not just the external feedback, but after a while, you begin to internalize that yeah. and and you begin you become you know your best critic really uh, <laughs> because you you have a sense of what it is that you're trying to get to. Yeah, I I love how. The- First few projects in you know your first semester in the program are essentially unsolvable problems, <laughs> and like you tell us that over and over again, but no one listens. Everyone thinks they're going to come in with you know the next great. Well, of course, it's the beauty yeah, of so. you know new, fresh undergrad uh, graduate students. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, they couldn't solve this, but we're going to do it. You know, it's it's that 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 self. Uh, what is it, the moxie that yeah. that, that a, a new student has. And that's wonderful. And that actually is good because it sustains you through the pain of, <laughs> of, of the project itself, which is so difficult. 
Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> yep. Can't argue with that. Well, um, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, this has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed yeah, it. Really, yeah. I, I want to keep going, but <laughs> I think yeah. we could sit and talk all night. Honestly. Yeah. I'm well, sure maybe we after the program, you know. We'll yeah, that's true. We'll we'll more than... Yeah, and there's <laughs> there's plenty of opportunity. Uh, I think we'll have you back on before this whole thing wraps Hope up. So. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, it's been great. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate yeah, it. No, yeah. Thanks again. Awesome. awesome.